Welcome back to Lessons of a Former Pastor's Wife. I'm Amy Kennedy, and this is my story. In my last podcast, I told you I was going to be dedicating the next two podcasts to the topic of forgiveness. In no way do I believe I can cover everything I have in my heart in just two podcasts on this topic, but I am going to do my best. I've spent the last several months really pondering the topic of forgiveness. And then I've spent about the last three weeks doing some very difficult homework. I spent that time forgiving a recent offense, which has brought me to the highest of highs in joy and the lowest of lows in sadness. When you set your mind to forgive, the enemy will do everything possible to tear you down into entitlement. Because I believe entitlement is the biggest hindrance in our ability to truly forgive. Maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, she did this heinous thing to me. I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I the one who has to forgive? Or... He's never going to change. He's always going to be this way. And I shouldn't have to forgive him for every little single thing and every little single time he screws up. Or even more applicable, I'm never going to be a good person. I'm destined to fail no matter how hard I try. I am so broken by the choices that I have made. No one else can forgive me. So why should I even attempt to forgive myself? for what I have done. In these next two podcasts, I'm going to focus on three types of forgiveness. One-time offense forgiveness, ongoing forgiveness, and forgiveness of self. I have spent much of my life focusing on these three types of forgiveness. And it's my prayer that you will gain knowledge and encouragement from these lessons and hopefully be inspired to start the hard work of forgiving for yourself. I'm going to start with the one-time offense forgiveness. This can be as small as the story I'm about to tell you from my own life, and it can be as harrowing as what families of heinous crimes go through. When I was about nine or ten years old, there was a boy on my school bus who delighted in screaming at me each day as I left the bus. He thought it was highly amusing to scream, see you later, Amy Army Ammunition. Now, as ridiculous as it sounds, it really bothered me. Every day I ran home, bawling my eyes out. I was the only Amy I knew at this time. All the girls in my school seemed to be named Jennifer and Melissa. And I thought Amy was a weird name that no one had ever heard of. Of course, I have since grown to love my name. And I used to think it was unique and special until I met about a thousand Amys, all of whom I can tell you are extremely cool. Finally, after about the fifth or so day of scream crying my way into the house, My grandmother had me sit down at her feet in the living room and explain why I was so upset. Now, in my 
imagination, I feel as though I remember her trying not to laugh at me at this point. But it may be because this was so long ago and after she heard the tale, she definitely laughed at me. Here I was, a gangly, long-legged, painfully skinny girl with stringy blonde hair and a lot of freckles on my nose. Taller than most of the boys and definitely taller than all but one of the girls. There were dozens of things this boy could have made fun of me for, but he chose to make fun of my name. And for whatever reason, it hurt. Through sobbing gasps, I choked out, and he calls me Amy Army Ammunition when I get off the school bus. This is about the time that I know my grandmother was laughing at me. She did not, however, criticize me for being so easily hurt. She just calmed me down, and once I was calm, she asked me who the boy was that was making fun of me. We lived in a fairly small community in Arkansas, and she knew just about everybody. I told her it was Biff Hood who was making fun of me. She really started to laugh at this time. And I distinctly remember her asking me, and you can't think of anything to say about his name? This was my first real lesson in forgiveness. The ridiculousness of me being so offended by this slight on my name profoundly struck me. Not to mention my grandmother laughing at my silliness. And right then and there, I decided to let it go and not allow his nickname to hurt me anymore. I was very young when I made that decision, and it worked. When he called out, see you later, Amy Army Ammunition, from then on, I just waved good-naturedly and went about my business. He stopped calling me that name when he realized that it didn't bother me anymore. Of course, this is a very silly example of forgiveness, but I do think it is applicable. Because I have had these little gnat type of annoyances happen time and time again as an adult. And especially when I was a pastor's wife. I would like to say that I got my act together each time and forgave quickly so I could go about my business. But the truth is, we often let the little annoyances that other people do build and build inside us without ever releasing them. These can build up like bricks that fall on our heads if we aren't careful. And before long, we can explode with anger over the annoyances that were really pretty ridiculous and should never have been allowed to hurt us or even take up a moment of our time. Before I move on to bigger issues related to one-time forgiveness, I want to point out that these annoyances that we live with daily do weigh on us. If we don't take time to cast them out and let them go, they can do us great harm. By the time Biff Hood was making fun of my name, I had already gone through a lot in my little life. I had been beaten multiple times by a father who never wanted me and was not my biological dad. 
I have been shunted from the northern west coast where I was born to the strange and very odd world of Arkansas to live with grandparents and an aunt I barely knew. And I had a younger brother and sister who I felt responsible for. Even as a little girl, my self-esteem was a wreck. Another insult was too hard for me to handle until my loving and kind grandmother pointed out how silly it was to be offended by a sing-song rhyme about my name. If I had never had that redirection, I would have carried yet another heavy burden into adulthood. And honestly, how many heavy burdens can you or I carry before we crumble under the weight? As I have been thinking about and preparing for this lesson, I've also been pondering and studying the Lord's Prayer. Luke 11, 2-4 says, He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. But I personally really like Matthew 6, 9 through 15. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't know why these two books of the Bible are different in this key area. I've told you many times before, I am a former pastor's wife. I am not a biblical scholar. But it is very striking to me that the disciple Matthew adds verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. All right. I think this is a moment where we need to stop for a second. And we have to ponder what those verses said. If I don't forgive others when they sin against me, God won't forgive my sin? Did you hear that? If I don't forgive others when they sin against me, God won't forgive me when I sin. Where does entitlement to not forgive fit in with these scriptures? It doesn't. Verse 12 of the Lord's Prayer is very clear. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Some versions say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But it all means the same thing. God, forgive me for what I have done, 
just as I have taken the time to forgive those who have done things against me. If I view forgiveness from this angle and understand that I am also a sinner in need of forgiveness, it makes it clear that my forgiveness is settled squarely on my own ability to forgive. If I allow myself to feel entitled to hold on to my grudge and my anger, refusing to let it go and forgive, I am in danger of my own requests for forgiveness falling on deaf ears. You're probably thinking to yourself right now, sure, little offenses are easy to forgive, but how can someone forgive heinous, evil things committed against them? I'm reminded of a lady named Marion Partington, whose sister Lucy Partington went missing in December 27, 1973. And it was later discovered that she had been one of the victims of Gloucestershire, England serial killer Fred West, who murdered at least 12 women. Not too long ago, Marion shared her story of how she felt murderous rage toward this serial killer, which showed her that she was capable of killing. In 2004, she joined the Forgiveness Project and started her own journey of forgiveness and healing. I'm going to share the link to the website for the Forgiveness Project in this lesson's notes. Their focus is on sharing stories of forgiveness in order to build hope, empathy, and understanding. And I highly recommend looking them up. I was blessed by reading the stories. I'm also reminded of another person from history, a great leader, Martin Luther King Jr., who once said, the ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a descending spiral begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. Through violence, you may murder the liar, but you cannot murder the lie, nor establish the truth. Through violence, you may murder the hater, but you do not murder hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. Returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only Love can do that. I want to encourage you to start to truly understand that withholding forgiveness because we feel entitled to our resentment, our anger, and our hatred over what has been done to us only destroys us. It only destroys me. By withholding forgiveness, we are choosing to live in the darkness devoid of stars because darkness cannot drive out darkness.
Putting more darkness in your heart cannot drive out the darkness that is already in your heart. Only light, even a tiny, small match light, can drive away darkness. We gain light when we choose to love, when we choose to forgive. When we choose to forgive the people who do things against us, we free ourselves from what they have done. Yes, you may very well free and release the person who harmed you, but let's face the facts. Very rarely is someone who harms you ever going to come crawling back and beg for your forgiveness. That's a fantasy that you have to let go of. The deed is done. There's no going backward and starting again. You are left with only two choices. Forgive and move forward in the light of freedom or drown in the dark water of hate. The harsh reality is the person who harmed you may never ask for or even want your forgiveness. Biff Hood never asked me to forgive him. And as far as I know, the serial killer who killed Marion Partington's sister never asked for her forgiveness. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to spend some time on the beach. Not far from where I was playing with my grandboys was a little girl who looked to be about seven years old. She was so skinny that her knees protruded larger than her legs. She had long, stringy, blondish-colored hair, and the sight of her playing in the ocean caused my breath to intake. The reminder of myself at that age was stark. I took a beating at that age in a garage with a belt. I could go into detail about why I was beaten, but it really isn't important, and nothing I did could have ever warranted that severe of a punishment. It was the first time in my life that I visually realized how very sad it must have been for that huge man to hit the backside of a frail little girl. Not once, not twice, but many, many times until the welts and bruises on the back of my legs and bottom were indistinguishable from one another. I saw that little girl and I really couldn't imagine how she would have ever been able to withstand that type of pain, just skin and bones to absorb the devastating blows of a huge man's belt. Evil does not want your forgiveness. And most of the time, the people who harm you do not seek your forgiveness because they either don't think what they did is that big of a deal or they simply just don't care how it affected you. I told you that before my name was made fun of in a silly little rhyme, I had been beaten several times by a father who never wanted me and was not my biological dad. I can tell you that to this day, that man has never asked for my forgiveness. What he thinks of what he did is truly irrelevant to me. My ability to forgive him has no bearing whatsoever 
on what he thinks of what he did to me. My ability to forgive him has everything to do with my own heart and the things that I choose to hold on to in my heart and the things that I choose to let go of. Don't you see that by choosing to forgive what he did to me, I'm not freeing him from the consequences of his actions. I'm freeing myself from the vile hatred he tried to infect me with each time he whipped that heavy belt across my backside. Evil wants to beget evil. Hatred wants to beget hatred. We stop the cycle when we choose to forgive, when we choose light instead of darkness. You may never receive a true apology for what's been done against you. The person who harmed you may never want reconciliation. None of that disqualifies you from forgiving them. At this point, you may be withholding your own forgiveness because you feel that what they did was so heinous and vile, they don't deserve to be released from it. You want them to suffer just like you have suffered. And I'm very sorry to tell you, it just doesn't work that way. By choosing to hold on to your hatred, anger, and unforgiveness, you are choosing to hold yourself back from being free. You are choosing to remain a victim of what they did to you. They may or may not be harmed by your unforgiveness, but you certainly will be. When I went away to college, I was given the opportunity to meet regularly with a counselor who happened to be my dorm director. She helped me see that little beaten girl as a person deserving of love. And she helped me forgive the man who was so severe upon me. After long work and forgiveness training, I was able to look in the mirror and no longer be haunted by that victimized little girl. I can share my story of a rough childhood today as if it were a movie I'm watching. I recognize how very sad and horrible it must have been for that little girl. And I feel very sorry for her. But I don't feel the sting of the belt anymore. I shared this story of my childhood not to make you feel sorry for me and think how tragic my life has been, but so you can see from my example how forgiveness works. If I never had or if I never took the opportunity in forgiveness training with my dorm director in college, I would probably still be the victim of those beatings today. Looking in the mirror would be far more difficult because I would always see the shadow of that broken little girl staring back at me. I don't want to be a person who cringes and ducks every time someone raises a hand. I don't want to be a person who is going about my life waiting and expecting the next blow to strike me. I choose not to be a victim, but to live my life free from the harm others have done to me. 
In my next podcast, I'm going to talk to you about the forgiveness training I have put myself through so often. And I'm going to address the two hardest types of forgiveness that I'm forced to endure almost on a daily basis. And those are forgiving ongoing offenses and learning to forgive myself. This is my story and I want to hear yours. It's not easy to be so publicly open. I do this because I believe in community and I believe in sharing our experiences to help one another. I want to refer you again to the Forgiveness Project website, www.theforgivenessproject.com. I hope you will apply to your own life the stories that you can read of these incredible people who have been through some of the worst ordeals and how they were able to forgive. By sharing our experiences, we build a community that empowers and blesses one another. You are not alone in your pain. And when you are able, I hope you will become someone who seeks to help others by sharing your own story. I'm here to listen and pray with you when you are able to share. And maybe... We can share your story on my podcast to help other people. You can email me anytime at formerpastorwife at outlook.com. I want to hear your story. Let's not make this podcast all about me.